Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Passive Cash Flow Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Fragnito, co-owner of People's Capital Group, and this is a continuation of an interview with Dr. Gordon Chu, just an amazing guest here we've had on the Passive Cash Flow Podcast. This is part two of three, and this part we're going to focus on predictions for future pandemics and how to prepare for them, ways to prevent future pandemics like we've seen here with the coronavirus, and the best real estate to buy for this new uh, business environment we are in with pandemics. So we're going to break into this. We're also going to talk about leveling up your game and working with uh, people that can bring you to the next level in business and investment. So without further ado, here is part two of our interview with Dr. Gordon Chu. Now, I've also mentioned, because you mentioned technology, uh, in my other interviews, I mentioned about how in 2016, we were drilling in the North and South Pole. Mm. We're drilling for oil, but we're also drilling for materials. And you know what we discovered? We found out that in Antarctica, especially if you type in CNN, Antarctica, space Mm. those two words so that's not one word, um, what you'll find is that there'll be an article in April that showed the world how we drilled in South the South Pole. And we found that underneath the South Pole was actually a rainforest. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, rainforest. And this is CNN and also it's documented in nature. So top, top scientific journal in the world. So this is not hocus pocus stuff, right? And so what happens is we found that that's the case. And in order to find that, we actually drilled many meters deep, 50 meters, 100 meters. We did core drillings into the earth and we found this when we pulled it out, we pulled out periods of time. Because in the ice, we're pulling out, you know, prehistoric viruses and bacteria and we're pulling them out and they got into the air and they travel. So it's not just like it travels from, from you know, one location or anything. It travels everywhere. And it's not just one country doing it. We're all doing it because we can't be drilling in New Jersey. You know, there's real estate on top. We can't be drilling in Manhattan. There's real estate on top. So what we do is we go to these unknown locations. We can't go to Africa or or Australia because, you know, Africa is Africa and Australia is Australia. But nobody owns Antarctica. So we go there and we drill these things and we release the stuff and then it goes in the air. So we may have released things that are dating back to a few thousand years old, you know. So when, you, years when ago? you found this forest, it's a petrified forest in ice, correct? And uh, under like a glacier? Well, they pulled out things that actually contain spores and seeds that were still active. You could actually grow them hmm. from the wow. prehistoric period. And this is all reported in that article, very detailed. So anybody who's listening to this can go and, and check this stuff out for themselves. Wow. But they should have called you, Aaron, and said, hey, do you mind if I do this? Would it bother you? And then you might say, no problem. We'll just put it to a vote. You can go do whatever you, you drill. Now that you understand this, though, and what it did to your life, you might have a second opinion on this saying, I really don't want think anybody should be drilling down there without uh, a virologist in the, in, you know, going there with them. So mm-hmm. that when you pull up the stuff and there's some blood from a saber tooth or a dinosaur, you're not just like dumping it into the ocean or something or into the air and letting it evaporate. So right. that's what happened. It wasn't encapsulated. It was just let to vaporize. Wow. So, um, so yeah, so now maybe the earth eventually melts to that level anyway, because of all this global climate change we're dealing with. But the time we reach that would be 2350. 
the year 2350. Well, what year is it now? It's 2020. We're just about a few hundred years early. Right? So, so, ha so has that discovery though, like we can't go back there and, and uh, look more into it, right? I mean, the Pandora's box is open now. Right. And so we will be having another pandemic in the next 10 years. Because that, you, you think because of that drilling, it released... Uh... It's not just that drilling. There's all kinds of things going on. In 2009, I was in this documentary called Germs, the Invisible Enemy. And one of the reasons why I'm interviewed so much is I'm in there saying that in the next 10 years, we'll have another pandemic. Well, here we are. From 2009, we have another pandemic. This time it's called COVID-19. Now, I'll be very straightforward and honest. I, will, I interviewed some top economists talking about what would happen to the economy and I have some very positive news to tell everybody it is during that time, the predictions was our economies in the world would have global catastrophe, introducing the next great depression, except that was based on oil being at $150 a barrel. Where are oil prices now? They're so low. I think we rebound from this and we have a great opportunity to learn from our mistakes and we now need to be very careful. So the light at the end of the tunnel is that if everybody was careful, and this is an easy one on us because that spikes in pH 10 soap. We now understand that. We don't have to go looking for 60% alcohol, just pH 10 soap. We can wear gloves, we can be careful. It's a bit uncomfortable, but compared to the societal damages that people got infected, right? Or more people got infected, you'd have no idea where they go. That cost, if you weigh the two costs, now, if you weigh it eventually too much, then not opening up anything could become, and that's when you create enough catastrophes. Sure. So knowing that, that we might have another virus in the next 10 years, what would you do? So I introduced those couple of books for everyone because I read those books and it changed my life because I wanted to be, I wanted to have perpetual fire, meaning that I wanted financial independence retiring early to be continuous. And you asked me about real estate, right, Aaron? Mm -hmm. Sure. And I, I wanted to get involved in real estate and I got involved with commercial real estate, but knowing the H1N1 virus, I only would buy grocery stores and pharmacies. I would buy nothing else. And so that's the only asset class that I have in commercial real estate is grocery stores and pharmacies. I see because they're only places open right now and they're selling out uh, uh, hand and fist. So that's, that's an interesting investment there. Now the H1N1, you bring that up and you know, why didn't we shut down the economy for the H1N1? Well, first of all, the symptoms in H1N1, we could detect. It was easy on us. So as easy as the coronavirus is with the spikes, if we know what to do, which we now know, thanks to you being so generous and in, in, in interviewing <laughs> me and sharing that. Right? Yes, so, thanks to me, we now yeah. know. But you're, yeah. thanks you're to welcome. You. Yes. Your entire community oh now knows gosh. what to wow. do. Yeah, but, you know, I've been yeah. sitting here eating chicken and rice and potatoes. It's been tough, man. It's been tough. And yeah. you know, washing my hands for 20 seconds. I, I've been cheating there a little bit. I got to stop. I got to wash longer. Maybe now how I help you is I've now changed your thinking slightly, right? Mm -hmm, it's just mm -hmm. a slight change, nothing severe, right? And then, you know, you asked the question about H1N1, we could take a gun that measures people's foreheads and we could tell, do you have, are you going to infect someone? And if your temperature was up, we could put you in the thing. This coronavirus has no symptoms. It's mm -hmm. a very different animal altogether. In fact, it's not the flu. The influenza virus, the pandemic one, H1N1, that was the flu. 
That was oh. the swine flu. This is not right. the flu. This is something different. Correct. Now, that's why you can't call the cold the flu. They're different, right? Mm -hmm. so, so this particular thing causes some very different symptoms. It affects different types of cells. It affects very differently. For example, the cold sore is an unencapsulated virus. It doesn't have a shell. It doesn't have spikes. So, you know, you know how difficult it is to get rid of cold sores? You know how many people have cold sores, right? So that's a very different one. So maybe the next one that we get in the next 10 years is an unencapsulated virus uh -huh. that doesn't cause symptoms and has that. And how are you going to be prepared? Are you just going to say, well, guess what? You and I will be 10 years older then. And maybe uh -huh. that virus, the threshold is lower so that people in their 40s are at risk. That uh -huh. would include you then, right? Sure. So, uh -huh. so it, it, use this opportunity to learn of how to deal with the invisible enemy. Our biggest enemy is not Russia now, right? Mm. It's not the Cold War. It is this virus yeah. that can infect loved ones mm -hmm. and it can change how you receive your rent roll. So mm. what I did was after reading those books about fire, the fire movement, I'm a big fire guy. And I look at this and say, I don't want some problems with my fire. I don't want my fire to be put out. So mm. what could I do? So I studied these classes of real estate and I said, I want no offices. I don't want any residential. Now, real estate brokers looked at that as very strange because they said, what is the difference between a restaurant, a gym, um, and a pharmacy and grocery store? They're all the same to mm -hmm. that. And right, I didn't right. look at it very like that. But nowadays, you know, one is, an, is a non-essential and the other is an essential business. And now it's become classified. So now the, bag, the cat's out of the bag. Everybody right. who studies with you for real estate understands that. Now, I had some very, if you want to get to this level, people talk about leveling up. I'm going to give you a big secret. Okay. Everybody who listens through Aaron is going to learn, and Seth Martinez, this big secret. And I'm going to give away my secret tonight. All right, get your this pens out. This is the secret. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. All right, so you, know, you understand that buying shopping plazas and uh, pharmacies, they're not cheap. And if you buy a lot of them, that's not a coincidence. So mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you why I was able to do that. First of all, I was mentored and taught and trained by the guy who helped fight off something called anthrax. Sure. Wow. Now that's a big, bad one, right? 9-11 anthrax, right? So yeah. he worked with me. And so he's my mentor. Another mm -hmm. mentor of mine is somebody who his name is Keith Beckia and he is my mentor in business and real estate and he helped me to see the difference between this and to ensure that the entire asset class is that way and he's worth maybe 250 million 300 million right and he became somebody who trained me to think this way he's done business with our current president of the United States and mm -hmm. Keith found a liking in who I am and he started training me. So my secret to you is find the right mentors in life. Right. And when you find the right mentors, the game of chess equals the game of life can be completed in like a few steps as possible. That's all you need to do. Just a few steps. Now, if you don't have the proper mentor and you're being led down, it's the blind leading the blind, you may have to be doing a lot of steps and it's no longer chess. It's now maybe the game of checkers and you can go backwards and forward and whatever it is, it's a total mess because it can consume you completely. So having these mentors have been very, very important. Now the third mentor I had, 
because I'm giving my secret away. Uh-huh. During 9-11, I dated a girl that died in 9-11. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I was an MD PhD candidate, which means I had, I was paid a salary to go to medical school, Mm -hmm. paid to go. And at that moment when she left, it wasn't like, uh, you know, this was such a perfect relationship and we were married and having children. It was just in a dating relationship, but the effect was so large that I had a taste of what it meant to be depressed. Mm. All right. And I was lost in the subway for six hours. Wow. Yeah. I couldn't get up wow. and I couldn't continue. Wow. And then my mentor, Professor Michael Cox, mm-hmm. he and Professor Larry Reed, these two particular mentors, in, in, one was in the business world. So I went in with an MD for dermatology and I went in with a PhD for cellular signaling, how cells talk to one another, complicated stuff. And then out came with Professor Michael Cox, which is a doctorate in business administration. And he told me to do one thing, is make sure you work on things that are not in existence at all. Only work on projects that nobody's heard of. Interesting. Well, what does that mean? That means patenting. That means inventing. So right. you only get a patent granted in your name, and you can only file patents that no, you can't find in books. You're not, you know, this is new knowledge, novel. Right. Work on that. And your goal, this is what Michael said to me, your goal is to make them popular while you're working on them. If you can take something that nobody cares about and while you're working on them, right. become the hottest stuff on, you know, since sliced bread, mm-hmm. if you could do that, mm-hmm. then um, you, will have, you, you will make money. Sure. Definitely make money. This is sure. what he said. It's as simple as that. Now, this particular individual is no longer on earth. He died from brain cancer. Hmm. And he told me that I need to go to Bridgeport to study natural medicine. Now, I already had my skincare and I was already a consultant in the skincare business, in the skincare world. As you know, I was Demi Moore's spokes doctor back hmm. in Hong Kong. Right. And so him telling me to go in that direction made me unique. It made me so unique that I could then discover things that were different. So here's sure. a dying man that told me to go to Connecticut because I could leave that location that burdened me mm-hmm. and I could heal myself and let my let time pass. Now, the other person that saved my life, Professor Larry Reed, he was my undergraduate professor and we stayed in contact. So that by the time I went to medical school, we had been friends for over 10 years now. Nowadays, we've been friends for 25 years. And he told me that when bad things happen to you, it's actually a silver lining. It creates purpose in your life. Sure. It changes direction. And the third person that saved me um, was this, was Professor Millie Dresselhaus. And it wasn't during 9-11. I mm-hmm. would end up meeting her in 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, 2011. She won the Freedom of Medal from former President Obama in 2014. That's the highest medal that you can receive in the entire country, the United States. And she helped me with my work in graphene. And she inspired me to go further to create those exoskeletons, to create the new materials at Rutgers that can combine graphene with plastics. She inspired me to do that. So those individuals, Mildred Dresselhaus, was the first female tenured professor at MIT. Mm -hmm. And she is no longer on earth now. 
after receiving her award from former President Obama in 2014, she would die on February 20th, 2017, three years later. Wow. And so she told me, as, as a, she's a super scientist, and at that time I, won, I was having my children, uh, and in 2016 I had my second daughter, and she told me to go do things that would be beneficial for my family. Focus on your family, mm -hmm. sell out everything else, focus on your family, the time will come. And Keith Becky, I mentioned, he's the one that then brought me into business and showed me these business tactics and the various things. And through the universe of all those mentors combined, right. it changed my thinking. And that is what, um, if you have family first, my daughters helped me get into real estate because right. they made me want to spend time with them. Obviously they're your children. Sure. But the how to spend time with someone meant that if I'm going to buy an asset class, it better be well thought out mm -hmm. unless I have someone like you looking at it 24 <laughs> seven. Um, now that's a little plug for you. So anybody Thank who you. wants to Thank subscribe, you. right? So yeah, yeah. here's the thing is that um, there's risk in relying on Aaron and Seth, right? Because if you don't find an Aaron and Seth and you find some, somebody who's not right, mm -hmm. there could be risk. That's why you should all call Seth and Aaron, right? So, so that's the thing. But how often do you have someone so determined on taking care of their customers? Now, you just said something. You might have to edit it out. I don't know. But don't. You know, it's nice and fun. It's like, um, because it's honest, right? Tonight, yeah. tonight, and I'm a Christian man, and I, I pray that you, because you have so many people who are relying on you to bring them to not just one year of return, but I'm talking about a lifetime of return, constant winnings, compounded winnings of 15% every year, right? Every year. Yeah, let's yeah. get it. Let's so get it. If, yeah. So if you got sick, right? Mm -hmm. Or if you were dysfunctional for one year, if you were like Millie where you know, you're gone now, I miss yeah. Millie. Yeah. She changed my life. She mm -hmm. helped me get to where I am, 31 patents. If you interviewed me two weeks ago, it will be 28, but now I have 31. Oh, congratulations. And yeah, it, it goes up, right? So, you know, it's like, it's like, and Keith, you know what happened with him? After showing me all the real estate stuff, he decided to put money and invest in me. And in my 31st patent, he's one of the investors. Great. And yeah. so here's a $300 million guy investing in little me, right? Mm -hmm. So when I think about life, how are you supposed to know that you're not going to turn to the next Warren Buffett, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you might, we might be actually dealing with the next Warren Buffett. His name is Aaron. So, uh, oh, you know, right. So uh, man, you know, Dr. Gordon, Chu, I think we'd make a good team here. You know, we should like, like do a that? Show. yeah, I think so. Yeah. I well, like, I'm like going to tell you something is if you got sick, I would be very disappointed in you. So you make sure that you don't eat those Pringle chips with your gloves on without them being labeled. And once you label right. them with virus, now I want to challenge you to eat those Pringle chips with the word virus on there. You might be totally reminded, I can't do that to my investors because I need to secure, you know what I, I wish for you is I hope you have a million investors following you within the next 10 years Heck because yeah. you're that good, right? If you Thanks, could do 15% compounded every year and yeah. you start eating healthy and you start being healthy because you're, you don't just live for yourself, you live for them because mm -hmm. they're, they rely on you. I really do. I really do. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure in this business. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. 
gets you going. It keeps You're you one going. of the few good guys that want to do it right, right? You don't, yeah. I've heard you many times. You want to make money for people. You don't yeah. want to take their money. No, so, no absolutely. Yeah. And even, even the, the times we've had investments that uh, rarely, rarely didn't work out, we've always made good at our investors. We've always made sure that our investors hit those marks. Well, so, you have a secret yeah. weapon that I, mm -hmm. that I know about. You know I know about your secret weapon? What's that? Do you know about what, what I know about you? Well, uh, what do you know about me? Let me see. I know, I know your wife, right? Mm -hmm. I know you have a wife, right? Oh yeah, Diana. Uh, but I, I never met your wife, but I, I know about your secret weapon. I'm going to tell everybody about your secret weapon. Are you okay with that? Yeah, let them hear it, man. That's okay. what it's all about. Your secret weapon is that in your life, you have a special person who you met that allows you to secure these returns for other people. And that person's name is Seth Martinez. You've mentioned him in your, in your talks, right? And, and how come I know about that? Because I actually have a special uh, approach to many things I do in life, which is I make sure that I understand what it is that makes you work well. Mm. And when you have an operator like Seth, because you, you, you go in there and you do the talks, you do the podcast, but you know, without him looking at the operations, mm. well, how is that going to work? So when I look at your dynamic, you alone will not make this work. And this is why yep. this team that you have is so important is that it's the one, two combination. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 100%. If you're Batman, he's Robin, right? That sure. kind of thing. Sure. You know who Absolutely. I am is I'm exactly. not Batman and I'm not Robin. So no. I'm Alfred. No. <laughs> I'm, oh, okay. I'm the guy who comes up with the suit for Batman. So I just like stay in my range, right? I work on scientific projects. Nobody, should be calling my number. Why? Mm. Because I'm a boring guy, have nothing <laughs> good to talk about, and I only work on things that don't even exist. And why would you want to have a friend like that? Oh, man, your story is awesome. Come on. This is one of the most interesting podcasts I've done. This is a Joe Rogan level podcast right here. You think so? <laughs> oh, I know I so. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Thank you for those compliments. We'll, Absolutely. we'll try We're to get... make it good. We'll try to yeah, make it good. In fact, I'll call up Joe Rogan. I'll say, hey, I got a great guest for you, Joe. All right, uh, we'll get you on there. Yeah, let's see what we can okay. do. Here, here in the podcast world, we all know Joe Rogan. That's how it works. Well, no, if thanks. you can do me one favor, Aaron, is sure, well, I sure. only have one wish, which mm -hmm. is I hope that the people who are listening to this talk, if they have any children who are scientists to be, mm -hmm. do not rely on their curiosity to carry them for 10 years after college. Mm -hmm. See, college is ready four years. 10 years after college, that's 14 total years since high school. I don't know very many people wanting to leave their curiosity to creating scientists based on that. That's a lot of risk. So mm -hmm. what you'd have to think about is, do we need scientists in this world? You mentioned about vaccines, right? Sure. And so I'm going to give a plug for si future scientists, not existing scientists. We're dying, mm -hmm. right? And we'll soon we'll be dead. So here's the thing is that because we all age, but the next generation of scientists come from the young kids out there. And what we need to do is we need to create a system that encourages them to be scientists, not to rely on curiosity. That way, in case we need a vaccine, there'll be plenty of scientists around. Right. We do that for our soldiers. There's a boot camp for Marines. There's a boot camp for the Navy SEALs. There is no boot camp to create a million scientists. And the countries with more scientists tend to win. Look, we had Einstein and look what happened. We were able to win World War II. Right. He came up with all kinds of things. We even gave him amnesty to come into this country. Right. And then the other thing is 
we also had scientists like Pavlov, we had scientists like Pasteur, so now we know how to like pasteurize things. So our technology, we have even had a scientist slash artist, Steve Jobs, right? He was, he had that insight with Elon Musk, right? Who's a businessman slash scientist. Sure. We need more scientists because yeah. sometimes scientists are not good hearted either. Sometimes there could be the bad scientists, right? <laughs> scientists that make GMO or stuff like that. I'm just making stuff up as I go, right? So sometimes we GMOs do have helped us get better, bigger crops, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, so there's also good things about GMOs, right, right, right. perhaps right. like that. So yeah. I, I don't want to get into the thing of it. If you don't like the scientists you're working with, right, right. and you want to find another one that you like, yeah, well, yeah. scientists are not doctors. Medical doctors are paid to see patients. Is that correct? Sure, right. But medical doctors are not paid to read uh, magazines, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. especially not um, picturesque magazines in there mm -hmm. that have like cells and other things in there. And they're not being paid to do that. They're mm -hmm. being paid to see patients. They're not being paid to read chemical journals and other things in physics and stuff like that. Well, right. scientists are. Scientists are funded to do only one thing, which is not see patients. Even if they're a medical doctor slash scientist, that, that's what I was doing. I was being primed to work on science, to think. Don't worry about other things, right. just think. When I'm at Rutgers, I'm not asked to teach kids uh, at mm -hmm. the faculty level because I'm paid to think. So mm -hmm. we want people, the young kids, to be paid to think. But if I told them that when I was younger and I tried to date a nice fashion model, mm -hmm. well, and I told them I was a scientist, that was the end of the date. <laughs> right. So, well, I so, was just thinking that, you know, yeah. and, and a lot of times the best talent in the science world ends up in finance, right? Making huge profits for hedge funds, because right. quite frankly, you're going to make a lot more doing that than working in a lab. So yes. I, I guess the argument is a lot of the best talents end up in the finance world. And perhaps this experience will change a lot of young minds 